Welcome to Remnant Voice Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode brought to you by Pastor Jason Armstrong. For more information on this episode and other podcasts, please go to remnantvoice.tv or email info at remnantvoice.tv. What's up, Remnant Nation? Thanks for tuning in to the Remnant Voice Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Armstrong. And today's episode, this week's episode, we're going into a message called uh, Recompense and Reclamation. Recompense and Reclamation. And this this actually birthed out of a, uh, a, a worship night. On the first Friday of every month at Summit Church, we... Um, we have a worship night. We've been stewarding worship uh, in that realm for almost two years coming up in August. And um, it's been an amazing time just, you know, of hosting presence, no agenda, but but just just the Lord's uh, heart, just to, just to give him worth, to um, exalt his name. And so we gather for just a time of worship and prayer on the first Friday of every month. Every month. The Lord's into the first things all throughout scripture. So um, we're also in Matthew six. It says, "Seek first the kingdom." So, on the first of the the first Friday of the month, we uh, we kind of set the month in order, if you will, by by seeking Him first. And so, if you're in the area, uh, if you're in Pigeon Forge and or the surrounding areas, maybe here on vacation or or, or whatever, or just visiting, uh, be sure. And it works out to be around the first Friday of the month. Be sure to come join us uh, first Friday. Um, at seven o'clock. So first Friday of the month at seven o'clock on at seven o'clock. So again, you can find more about that at summitchurchtn.com, summitchurchtn.com. And you get all of our, uh, information about our gatherings and everything. So anyway, in this episode, again, we're going to this message called recompense and reclamation. Now recompense, uh, I was, I was somewhat familiar with this term, but reclamation, uh, not so much. And so recompense can be defined as making amends. For a loss or a harm suffered, or to compensate for services rendered, and I believe we're going to see see that the um, since the quarantine, since all this thing, there's been a lot of loss. There's been a lot of things happening um, in the marketplace and in businesses and and all those things. But I, I believe we're we're going to start seeing a recompense, uh, or at least in in that area and other areas as well. Um, but also. Reclamation. Now, reclamation, uh, it can be defined as the process of claiming something back or a reasserting of a right or a reasserting of a right. And I would say to you right now, you know, this is definitely time for the church to step into reclamation, uh, kind of reclaiming back territories or, or, or places of authority, things that we've lost, um, or given over. You know, in Ephesians, it says to, to give no place for the devil or no opportunity for the, for the devil. And that word place there is topos. And it literally means, um, a space marked off, an inhabited place, a city, a village or district. So how many places ha- have we given over? Uh, uh, how many opportunities ha- have we given over to the enemy to come in and set up a stronghold or allow him to breach, um, the walls of those things and come in and, and, and set up camp? So, um, we see this through, you know, in our in our government, in our education, and even potentially with some of our liberties um, that's happening in the nation. But again, it's time for the church to to rise up as the ecclesia, um, the, stepping into and and utilizing the authority that God has given us, and become that leaven of the kingdom out into the different uh, arenas of society, the different spheres of society. So, uh, we'll go right into this message, and I'll be back with you at the end. can and as you go ahead and make your way back to your seats it's a powerful song it's a powerful decree we gotta realize we live in two worlds I'm seated in heavenly places but I'm sent in this one and I think many of us have just been seated in this one We sing, I have the authority, and we do. But with that comes the responsibility to exercise that authority. And that's what we're stepping into, and that's what you just saw demonstrated. Hallelujah. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. 
Let's pray just a second. Father, I thank you right now for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. I thank you that our eyes of understanding are being enlightened. I thank you that we have ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to understand what your spirit is saying to your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 62. Isaiah chapter 62. Isaiah chapter 62. Go ahead and put that graphic up. Yeah, it's up there. Awesome. Take a good look at that graphic. I want that to be in your mind. Today I'm going to be teaching a little bit on uh, recompense and reclamation. Recompense and reclamation. And this birthed out of our first Friday worship night. Um, at the first of this month in, in May. And we were up worshiping and, and going forth. And normally how it goes in those worship uh, gatherings and worship nights now, again, it, it, it's harp and bowl where we're uh, priesting and feasting before the Lord. And we're, we're letting our incense arise and His fragrance is coming down. And, 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 we're, and then at some point in time, you can pretty much just guarantee it's going to happen. There's a shift. You can't hang around His throne and not have a heart for His government. Hallelujah. And so when we're in that realm of worship and prayer, all of a sudden we pick up the Father's heart and it says that it's proof, it's proof we're at His throne because His throne, at the foundation of His throne is righteousness and justice. And so proof that our worship has ascended to the place of His throne is that when we pick up His heartbeat for righteousness and justice. And so in, in those worship nights and, uh, that when we gather, it has become that. You know, and we didn't know that was going to head that way. I mean, we just were being obedient to the instruction uh, when we first said to do these. And we started it over a year, and now we're going into the second year, and it, it's just been, he, it's, it's been amazing. And so in that gathering, we actually had tongues and interpretation happen. A lot of churches still kind of shun that, or maybe he's not even moving in that right now. But, but that, that's, that's in your Bible. It's still a function. It's still alive today because he's living. And so we had, we had instruction came uh, to us through tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And, and he gave us the word recompense. And, and, and we find that in Isaiah, several verses. I'm going to give you some of those today. But uh, we also find it in Isaiah 62. And that was, that was the one that was highlighted during that worship service when he said, go through, go through the gates. And uh, let's look at it for just a moment. Isaiah 62, verse 10. It says, go through... Go through the gates, clear the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, remove the stones, lift up a standard over the people. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth. Notice who's doing the proclaiming here. Hallelujah. The Lord has proclaimed. Say to the daughter of Zion, lo, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. His recompense before him. And they will call him the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you will be called, sought out, a city not forsaken. Prior to all of that, uh, we had, we had teach, taught on this a, a while back about marrying the land. Prior to that, you see uh, about the land had, had become forsaken. And, and because the inhabitants had went into exile. And so because they, they didn't keep the, the, the righteous judgments of the Lord, they didn't keep their part of the covenant, so they were sent into exile. And as, as they were sent, it left the land um, kind of overgrown and, and desolate. And because the people were, were supposed to be stewarding and cultivating the land. And so the Lord says in Isaiah 62, 
in verse four, he says, no longer will you be termed forsaken and your land will it any longer be said desolate, but you will be called my delight is in her and your land is married for the Lord delights in you and to him your land will be married. For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so your God will rejoice over you. So basically he was saying, I'm bringing some sons that understand their identity back into the land to cultivate the land. Back to, to write this rent land or reclaim, make a reclamation of this land and, and bring it back into the original purpose of what it was supposed to be. And so before I get in any further, I want to read this to you. This is from uh, Sir Alex Fraser Tyler, who was a Scottish jurist and a, and a historian. It's called the cycle of nations. You may have heard it before, but this is the cycle of nations that he, he observed. And it says they, this, the nations go from bondage to spiritual faith, from spiritual faith to great courage, from courage to liberty, from liberty to an abundance, from an abundance to selfishness, from selfishness to complacency, from complacency to apathy, from apathy to dependence, from, to, from dependence back again into bondage. So where are we? In that cycle, where would you think we are? If you don't see a responsibility, you need to have your eyes examined. So during that service, again, we heard the word recompense. And then as we were ministering and praying out recompense and and that the Lord was releasing recompense even over this city, that we were going to see things, the the just reward uh, back. Recompense is basically reward. and, And it can, you know, to make amends. And uh, and so we were praying that. And then we heard another word that, that came into to our spirit, and it said reclamation. And I immediately I went to the gospel according to Google. It's like, what is reclamation? I remember seeing this, however. Hear me. This is called language of the spirit. We, we teach part of it in our, in our school of ministry. I remember seeing it before on the back of Amy Walston's truck. See, her and Michael work in land management. And on the back of, of that truck, A&A Total Land Management, on the back of it, there, there's a word, and it says, guess what? Reclamation. I remember seeing that parked in, in, in when we went to eat with them one day, and, and then uh, during the service again, that, that night it popped in my spirit. I'm just like, oh, man, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to prophesy according to faith. Reclamation. Then it's like, whew, I felt a witness. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, what does that mean? So... I went and I looked it up. Let me give you both definitions here of reclamation and recompense. So reclamation is the process of claiming something back or a reasserting of a right. The process of, of claiming something back or a reasserting of a right. Hallelujah. Another definition of it is the cultivation of a wasteland, formerly that was underwater, the aggressive reclamation of the woodlands for an agriculture, agricultural production. And so a reclamation, when, when a, a town or a city, and you can see the graphic here, um, when, when people are off the land, the land starts to have overgrowth. Certain things that are supposed to be plucked up and weeded out start to, to take over. And in order, uh, what, what you're supposed to do in order to reclaim that land to make it purposeful again, to make it uh, productive again, is you've got to get some people that have a mind to work. And then you've got to go and survey the land, check the land out, get the right equipment, have the, be, be fully equipped and go and reclaim the land to make it productive again. This is reclamation. And then again, recompense, recompense. Let me give you that one just a second. It says to make amends to someone for loss or harm suffered to compensate. Uh, Miriam Webster says to give something uh, by way of compensation for as services rendered or damages incurred uh, to return in kind. And so I was like, hmm, 
my goodness, Lord, what are you saying with all this? There's a recompense and a reclamation. It's like you're, you're repaying and rewarding based on works, based on those things. And, and, and then also you're, we're, there's a, an assignment to reclaim that which was lost. So you're repaying for things that were damaged or lost. That's recompense. And then you're, you're giving back that which was lost. And then he's marrying recompense with reclamation. But then that's where we have to come in and co-labor. Co-labor. That's part of our assignment is co-labor. Let me give you a few verses about recompense and then uh, we'll go into a little bit more of this. I gave you Isaiah 62. You can just write these down. I'm going to go pretty quick on these. I just want you to have them so uh, you can go on in your time and study and see these things out. Okay? So recompense, and it says, Job 34 and verse 33, shall he recompense on your terms? See, the Lord doesn't recompense on our terms. He recompense on his. Hallelujah. Because you have rejected, for you must choose and not. Therefore, declare what you know. Psalm 28 and verse 4. It says, requite them according to their work and according to the evil of their practices. Requite them according to the deeds of their hands. Repay them their recompense. Repay them their recompense. Listen to this one. Psalm 54 and verse 5. Psalm 54 and verse 5 says, He will recompense the evil to my foes. Come on. He will recompense the evil to my foes. Destroy them in your faithfulness, Lord. And in Psalm 62 and verse 12. Psalm 62 and verse 12. It says, And loving kindness is yours, O Lord. And it says, For you recompense a man according to his work. You recompense a man according to his work. Psalm 91 and verse 8. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Psalm 94 and verse 2 says, Rise up, O judge of the earth. Hear this phrase. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render recompense to the proud. If there's a prayer to be agreeing with, right there's one. Hmm. Isaiah 34 and verse 8 says this, For the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of recompense for the cause of Zion. A year. Notice the the contrast between a day of vengeance and then a year of recompense. That's a whole other teaching. Isaiah 35 and verse 4. This is one one I, I really enjoy here. Isaiah 35 and verse 4. Say to those who are anxious with an anxious heart. Anybody had a heart in this past season that become a little anxious? Come on. This is what you're instructed to say to those with an anxious heart. Take courage. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come and he will save you. The recompense of God will come and he will save you. I'm telling you, there's, there's so many. I don't have time to go through through all, all of the ones with recompense. But I started thinking about this. And I was like, Lord, what, what's... I see the... I see the cry. I see the things that are happening in the nation. I see your heartbeat for a recompense... But the recompense is to lead us to reclamation. The recompense, the reward, the making amends is, is to posture us into the position of reclamation. If, if I stop with recompense, I've, I've got mine. I've got my blessing. Good. No, I've missed out on the other side of being blessed. I'm blessed to be a what? Blessing. So I'm, I'm to have impact with what has been given to me. I'm to transform with, with the, the things that have been given to me. So if we stop at recompense, we, we, we've missed it. So recompense is great. And I believe recompense is going to happen over every business in this county. Yes. And every business in the surrounding counties. I believe every business that has built its foundation, 
upon the heartbeat of the Father to bring transformation. He's bringing recompense to everything that the enemy tried to steal, kill, and destroy. So recompense is coming to the business realm. I believe recompense is coming to, to all the spheres of influence. If you want to get right down to it. We're, we're going to see that. We saw recompense in Florida with a certain pastor didn't bow. We saw charges dropped. Uh, anyway. We saw recompense. But recompense must lead to reclamation or we've not gained any ground. That's why I said we've got the authority, but now we also have the responsibility. One of the verses, uh, again, I've kind of been meditating on as well, is uh, Ephesians 4. You can write this one down. Ephesians 4, verses 25 through 27. Ephesians 4, verses 25 through 27. It says, therefore, laying aside falsehood, that means I've probably picked up falsehood somewhere. I can't lay it aside unless I've picked it up. Right? And he's speaking to believers. Laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Verse 27, this is the one I've been meditating on a little bit. It says, do not give any place for the devil. Or NASB says, do not give the devil an opportunity. You know what happens when you give the devil an opportunity? He'll take it. How many times has the church had an opportunity, but it didn't take it? That word place there, or translated opportunity, is, is the Greek word topos. Topos. And, and think of topography. It's topos. Give, give the devil no place. And so it literally means a place or portion. A space marked off, as it were, a, from a surrounding Space. Another, another uh, meaning of it is as an inhabited place, a city, a village, a district. Give the devil no city, no city, no village, no district. Are you hearing me? Give him no place. And of course we know, you know, metaphorically it can be speaking of the condition uh, uh, of us as our, we give no place in here. And I think, and that's great, and that's 100% accurate. And we should start there. I can't affect the cities around me when I'm affected here. Right? So I've got to start here and work out. I've got to start here and and work out. So I've got to make sure I've not given him any place here so I can affect the places out there. And so. Looking at that, I'm just like, okay, let's do some self-examination. Make sure when the enemy came after Jesus, he says, let him come. There's no place in me. Right? And then what did Jesus do? He made a recompense. And then he made a reclamation. He made a recompense for the wages of sin and death. And then he made a reclamation for inheriting nations. Hallelujah. Come on. And so we get to partner with his reclamation project. By taking territories for him. Reclaiming those places that that have given place to the adversary. That have given place to the evil one. What was the authority that was given to you? What was it for? The same authority that he gave the disciples, right? I've given you authority to what? Trample on scorpions and serpents, which is a picture of, of the enemy. And so when we sing that song of I have authority, what are we supposed to be doing with it? Come on. Maybe stepping on some snakes. Mm-hmm. Oh, hallelujah. Go to... um, Go to 
Joel, the book of Joel for just a second. I want you to see this and then we're going to dive right into some more here on reclamation. We started last Wednesday and talked about a time to advance and that it's time for us, you know, to advance out into what he's called us to do with the assignment and the authority and the grace that he's given us. Go to Joel chapter 3. We're going to look at a few passages here from... uh, We'll start at verse 1, guys. Joel chapter 3, verse 1. We said there's a, in Ecclesiastes that we, we, there's a time for everything, a purpose for under heaven, a time to weep, a time to mourn, a time to, to have joy, a time for war, and a time for peace. And right now, a lot of people are saying, peace, peace, safety, safety. But the spirit behind that is Control. The spirit behind that is conformity. The spirit behind that is anti-Christo. It's anti-Christ. It's anti-anointing. Let me say it this. Under the spirit, sons of God are led by the spirit. I'm not to be controlled or manipulated. That's from another spirit. Joel chapter 3, verse 1. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. Look at that. Our God is a God of restorer of fortunes. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That just hit me. For behold, in the days and at that time. There's this notice. There's a certain day and a time for this. And I believe we're entering that. When I restore the fortunes of of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. There I will enter into judgment or justice with them on behalf of my people, my inheritance. You know you're a part of his inheritance? If you're of of the seed of Abraham, you're a part part of his inheritance. It says, oh, my part of my inheritance, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and they have divided up my land. They have also cast lots for my people. Listen to this. Traded a boy for a harlot and sold a girl for wine. Nothing new under the sun. You don't think they're still trading boys out there right now? You still don't think they're selling girls right now? This is real. I'm showing you in scripture, there's nothing new. We've just tried to put a smoke screen and, and try to fancy it up and pretty it up a little bit. And because we don't see people wearing, you know, the black robes and the big God of Moloch out there and bowing down, you know, that's called Planned Parenthood now. We've cleaned it up a little bit. Anyway, Jesus. It says, whom they, they sold a girl for wine that they may drink. Moreover... What are you to me, O Tyre and Sidon, and the regions of Philistia? Are you rendering me a recompense? This is the Lord speaking. But if you do recompense me swiftly and speedily, I will return recompense on your head. See, recompense, depending on your works, that's what he rewards you with. So, whether they be good or bad. Look at what he says in verse 5. Since you have taken my silver and my gold, bought my precious treasures to your temples, and sold the sons of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks in order to remove them from their territory, the Lord's going to repay with the same measure. And so he brings that up on Philistia. He brings that up on Tyre. He brings that up on on Sidon. But going down to verse 9. Verse 9 says, Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare a war. Rouse Prepare a war, rouse the mighty men. Let all the soldiers draw near and let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the weak say, I'm a mighty man. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there. Bring down, Lord, your mighty ones. He says, it's time to prepare. The Lord is releasing a recompense and it's time for his people to, 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 to pick up weapons now. He said, beat your plowshares into swords. You know, that still takes work. <laughs> that still takes work. In the midst of this, I want you to look at verse 13. In the midst of this, it says, put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. So in the midst of recompense and reclamation, the harvest is ripe. Do you see that? 
The harvest is ripe. Verse 16 says this. The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth tremble. But the Lord is a refuge for his people and a stronghold to the sons of Israel. Hallelujah. He's a refuge for his people. This is the recompense. But now we've got to reclaim the territory. We've got to reclaim the land. There's a reassertion of the rights of us as believers. If we don't speak up for them right now, you know, then, then, then your children, my children, their children, what rights are they going to have left? What rights are they going to have left if we, if we don't speak some things now? You know, this is Memorial Day weekend. At the time of this message, it's Memorial Day weekend. And, you know, and we, we honor all those that have given their lives in service. You know, 1 John 3.16 tells us that no greater love than this has any man for his brethren that he would lay down his life for the brethren. And so... They laid down their lives for our liberties. I'm not going to be silent when those liberties are being encroached on. What if the blood of Christ, which speaks a better word, comes into agreement with the blood of the servicemen and women that have laid down their lives for our liberty? What does that look like? I'm processing out loud with you right now. It doesn't look like us being muzzled. I'll tell you what it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like us being muzzled. Take that for what it's worth. (laughs) Go with me to Isaiah 58 now. Isaiah 58. We're going to look at the next part of this. We're going to look at reclamation. Isaiah 58, just a few pages back. And we'll start at verse 10. Isaiah 58 and verse... Verse 10. Again, the Lord's coming there prior to those verses. He's like, cry aloud, let your voice be heard. Let it be sounded like a trumpet for the transgressions of Israel. He's telling them that. He's like, you fast, but not for the right reasons. You do these religious activities, but not for the right reasons. Let me give you the real reasons of why you should be doing these things. And so he's rebuking them a little bit for their religious activities, but no actual function. So Isaiah 58 and verse 10, um, he tell, in verse 9 he says, get rid of all this stuff and then... If you do this, this is what will happen. Verse 10. If you give yourselves to the hungry and to satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in the darkness. Where will it rise? Ah, come on. And your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give you strength to your bones. And you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water, who, spring of water whose waters do not Fail. Hallelujah. You'll be like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. It says, and from those among you, you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations. And you will be called repairers of the breach and the restorer of the streets to dwell. Hallelujah. Repairers of the breach and restorer of the streets to dwell. This is a reclamation project. This is a reclamation project. Look at what he says here. Look at what the the state of the land. He said, and satisfies your desire in scorched places. He said, I'm going to take what was desolate. I'm going to take what was overgrown. I'm going to take the places that have been burned down and broken down and all that. I'm going to satisfy you in that place. Your satisfaction is going to come from me, but it's going to come from me because you're actually stewarding the land and taking it from a scorched place to a watered garden. 
I'm bringing reclamation and I need you to come into alignment with me. Forsake all these religious activities that have not profited you at all in the past era or in the past season and get back to the reality of who I called you to be. Get back the voice that I paid a high price for you to have and I want you to speak into these things, cry aloud and spare not. And while you're crying aloud and you're releasing your voice, I want you to take your plowshares and beat them into swords. Hallelujah. And so, Isaiah 58, you see this repair of the breach and restore of streets to dwell in. What breaches are are, are out there for for the church to, to, to repair? What streets? Hello? What streets are called, are out there waiting on the church, waiting on the ecclesia, waiting on those to be sent into those streets to rebuild the marketplace? Think about it, come on. Restore of the streets to dwell. See, there. I mean, I could spend all day going through different breaches that I've seen. I'm going to hit a little bit just you know, just on our, our, our founding government. Because it says, you'll, you'll repair. Look at here. Go back. Go back. Let's look at this. Verse 12. You'll raise up the age-old foundations. So the foundations have already been laid. I don't have to make new foundations. They're already there. I just, I just gotta raise them up. I've gotta remove, I gotta reclaim and get rid of all the ivy and all the stuff that has overgrown, all the traditions, all the schemes, all the plots. Everything that has tried to come in and overgrow those foundations of our government and our liberties. Laws that have been passed, legalizing abominations in this nation that have come over our foundations. We've got to speak truth and remove those things off the foundations. I want to, I want to go and to read you some of these things because I know people are like, well, I don't know about the church and politics and all that. Well, we can schedule a meeting. We'll talk about it. Or you can just listen right here. <laughs> talk about the first great awakening. See, we've cried out for a third great awakening. Do you really know what you're crying out for? It's being primed right now. Do you realize what you're crying out for when you say, Oh, God, send a, the next great move of God, the third great awakening, all these things. Do you realize that it come in the midst of darkness? Do you realize it came in in the midst of complacency? Do you realize it came in the midst of tyrannical governments? While the early setters of the American America were primary Christians, many with great zeal for God, the leaders of the first great awakening believed each generation. Do you hear that? This is our early settlers here. They believed that each generation. You know what that means? That means you. Each generation must obey God's word and keep the eternal flame of truth lit. By the time of the founding of the 13th colony, Georgia, in 1733, America at large, according to one writer, experienced a lull in religion. Remember the cycle of nations? This was at the forming of the nation. We we were just 13 colonies. Jonathan Edwards described his town as experiencing a degenerate time with dullness of religion. Religion didn't mean then what it means now. So let me, let me make that clear. Future chaplain of the Congress, Reverend Samuel Blair of Pennsylvania stated, religion lay as it were dying and ready to expire its last breath of life in this part of the visible church. It seemed as though the life of God had departed many people in churches. God in his mercy and in accordance with his plans in history would bring a revival, a great awakening that not only impacted America, but many other nations. And you would see, this is Ben Franklin said this. Ben Franklin became real good friends with George Whitfield. Ben Franklin, Benjamin, on your $100 bills, was good friends 
with George Whitfield, preacher, revivalist. He said this in his autobiography in 1739, says, It was wonderful to see the changes soon made in the manners of our inhabitants. From being thoughtless or indifferent about religion, it seemed as if all the world were growing religious. So one could not walk through the town in an evening, in an evening without hearing the psalms sung in different families of the street. Restore of streets to dwell in. Ben Franklin walking the streets. And you know what he's hearing as he's walking the streets? The psalms being sung from the houses. Oh, hallelujah. There's more of this. We're going to go through it. Hallelujah. If I can. The ideas that came forth during the first great awakening not only address personal matters, but all areas of life. You mean they were preaching about the seven mountains without understanding the seven mountains? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We just put cool lingo on it. <laughs> America's unique understanding of religious and civil liberty for all men blossomed during this awakening. The titles of sermons. I want you to listen to this. I'm going to read these. I want you to hear. It's important that you hear this history. You know, that old saying, those that don't, uh, you know, recognize history are doomed to what? Repeat it. But what happens if we actually take the time to recognize the history? Maybe we recognize the good parts of the history and repeat that. Hallelujah. The titles of the sermons preached and printed during this time revealed the biblical truth that was being recovered. It provided a blueprint for building a nation. These are some of the titles. And these are the, there's print documents you can see of these things. Um, Elisha Williams preached the essential rights and liberties of Protestants. The essential rights and liberties of Protestants. That was his message. Charles Chauncey preached this message. Civil magistrates must be just ruling in the fear of God. Could you imagine coming in? Today's title, today's service, everybody buckle up, ready? Civil magistrates must be just ruling in the fear of God. That's what he preached. Seventeen fifty five. Another message, another title was Religion and Patriotism, the constituents of a good soldier. Hallelujah. John Allen preached an oration upon the beauties of liberty in seventeen seventy three. Samuel Sherwood preached this message. Here's title Scriptural Instructions to Civil Rulers. Scriptural instructions to civil rulers. He's like, listen up. Here's the way you should govern. (laughs) There's many more. I won't go to all of them, but I want you to listen to some more of these things. We cried out for universities. That was on our heart, what, last week? We were crying out for the universities. You know why? Reclamation. Come on. You know why we cried out for the universities? Reclamation. Let me show you. <laughs> See, it was more than just preaching in churches. They were transmitting the theological, governmental, legal, economic, and general worldview world coming forth from the awakening. A number of new colleges and universities were established, mostly by various churches. Clean your ears out right here. I've got to. Because I mean, it's going to shock you when you hear this. These colleges and universities I'm about to list to you were established by preachers and churches. Right. College of New Jersey. That don't ring a bell, but if I said to you Princeton, how does that feel? 1746. I'd say to you, King's College, not the one up the road here. (laughs) King's College, that don't really ring a bell. But if I said to you, Columbia, in 1754, how would you feel? How about these? Brown University. How about Rutgers? 
How about Dartmouth? The colonists understood understood that knowledgeable clergy and citizenry are essential to liberty. I want to read some more to you about these schools, just a second. I made some notes here again on this. Listen about Dartmouth. Congregational pastor Eleazar Wheelock secured a charter from the governor of New Hampshire in March 1770 to establish a college to train young men for missionary service among the Indians, meaning Native American. The college was named Lord, after Lord Dartmouth of England, who assisted in raising funds for its establishment. Its Latin motto, hear this, Dartmouth. Its Latin motto means the voice of one crying in the wilderness. The first students met in a log cabin, and when weather permitted, Dr. Wheelock held morning and evening prayers in the open air. Dartmouth. Founded by a congregational pastor, Eleazar Wheelock. And it means a voice crying out in the wilderness. What's that voice saying now? What's coming out of that college now? I'll tell you what, it's a cry for reclamation. It's a time, there, there's, there's spiritual roots there that the world system and the cares of life, neglect, complacency, you name it, has come in and overgrown that foundation. And it's time for us to raise up that age-old foundation in the education system. Higher learning. Uh-huh. Let's go uh, look at some more here. A product of the Great Awakening, Princeton was founded by Presbyterians in 1746. Reverend Jonathan Dickinson became its first president, declaring, Cursed be all the learning that is contrary to the cause of Christ. To help raise funds for the college in England, a general account was prepared that stated the two principal objects of the trustees had this in view were science and religion. Their first concern was to cultivate the mind of the pupils in all those branches of erudition which are generally taught in the universities abroad. And to perfect their design, their next care was to rectify the heart by inculating the great precepts of Christianity in order to make them good men. So they weren't just after the mind, they were also after the heart. How about this one? Started by a congregational minister in 1701 for the liberal and religious education of suitable youth to propagate in this wilderness the blessed reformed Protestant religion. That was the founding of Yale University. Back then, part of their curriculum was the Bible as a textbook. The Bible and its principles were the focal point of education for the first few centuries of America's history. In addition to their founding charters and laws, the textbooks used in schools affirmed this. In 1690, John Locke said that the children learned to read by the following. The ordinary road of hornbook, primer, psalter, testament, and Bible. John Adams also reflected the view of the founders in regard to the place of the Bible in society when he wrote, Suppose a nation in some distant region should take the Bible for their only law book, and every member should regulate his conduct by the precepts there exhibited. What a utopia, what a paradise would this region be? Hmm. These were the foundations. These were, despite what, other history books may try to say where we neglected to go into the education system and neglected to go in to certain areas. We allowed the weeds to come in and overgrow. We allowed the ivy to come in and, and, and poison things. A couple more things and I'll close here. Reclamation, and we're talking about recompense that leads to reclamation. 
clergymen in the colonial America not only impacted personal lives, but also public affairs. Some of those impacting politics in the 17th century include 1619, Reverend William Wickham serving in Virginia's first general assembly. You mean pastors were involved with government? John Robinson, Reverend John Robinson, he helped shape the Mayflower Compact. John Cotton started the first school in New England. Roger Williams and John Clark founding the state of Rhode Island. You hearing this? Founding the state of Rhode Island. Thomas Hooker and John Davenport founding the state of Connecticut and writing its first constitution. John Harvard. Does that sound familiar? John Harvard founding the first university. Nathaniel Ward writing the Massachusetts Body of Liberties. And then in 1681, you see William Penn founding Pennsylvania and writing the frame of government. These are our foundations. We don't hear this. When's the last time you ever heard anything like this? Did you hear this in your school? Social studies? Government? Civil? Civil? No, no, no. Why? The foundations were hidden. But when you understand his reclamation, you come in and remove all of those things and the foundations are raised up and then you can stand firmly on the foundations because that foundation was founded in Christ. The influence of ministers continued throughout the 17th century. John Wingate Thornton summarized the role of the clergy in the birth of our nation. Listen to what he said. To the pulpit, the Puritan pulpit, we owe the moral force which won our independence. We owe, we owe, we won our independence based on the moral force. A few more things. Ministers were the primary educators, not only at churches, but also at schools, academics, and colleges. Many of the founding fathers were tutored by ministers. You realize that? Many of our founding fathers were, were tutored by ministers, including Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, George Mason, Patrick Henry, and Noah Webster. Those who attended college would have been trained by ministers as well. Through their biblical teaching, pastors guided the American people through their struggle for independence and freedom. And I would say to you, that's where we're at again. The church has got to lead people through their struggle for and independence and freedom again. Last one, I promise. There's so many, man. So many. I could just read you some of the history. Reverend John Wise has been called the father of American independence. Due to the influence of his book, he wrote a book called The Law of Nature in Government. The Law of Nature in Government. It was first written in 1717, and then it got out of print, and they reprinted it in 1772. Those dates should be ringing a bell to you. And They reprinted it in 1772. What would happen in four more years? And they helped distribute it among the people. Sections of his work appear word for word in the Declaration of Independence. You have a voice. You have a say. You have the authority. You also have the responsibility. This past several weeks since we've been back, you've been awakened to a lot. That's because there's a lot to get done. There's a lot to do. When David was fleeing from Saul, he'd been anointed king, he'd, David was, being, was fleeing from Saul. 
he got out of the boundaries of the territory at the time, Judah and Israel. And he went and sought refuge in a Philistine city. He camps out there. He's he's hiding out there. He's seeking refuge there. But I believe the Lord had a reclamation project on his mind. This old Saul wineskin and the old Saul mentality was warring against the next move of God. Which was David. It was warring against David. It was pursuing David. It was throwing javelins at David. I would say a lot of people in, in the old era are starting to pick up their javelins right now to the churches that have stepped in the new era. They've been throwing javelins on Facebook. They've been throwing javelins on Instagram, social media. They've been throwing javelins all kinds of places. And they're, but here's when they step back. Saul stepped back and, and, and removed himself from David when David got outside of the church and went into the world. When David got outside of Judah and Israel, it was just Israel at that time, but when he got outside of the church system and stepped into Philistia, and when he stepped into the, quote, world system for a moment to penetrate the world, that same authority and anointing that was on him didn't lift. The same anointing and authority didn't lift. You know what God was doing? He's saying, I'm increasing your territory. I'm increasing your government. And so I'm going to take the anointed king and I'm going to give him the next land over here in Philistia. And he's going to seek refuge because it looks like he's defeated. It looks like he's down. It looks like he's on the run. No, he's actually on assignment. It looks like this the church is on the run. It looks like the church is defeated. It looks like all these things. But no, we're actually on assignment. Listen to what it says. First Samuel 27, so Achish gave him Ziklag that day. He gave him that territory. He's like, you know what? It says that David found favor in the king's eyes. He found favor in the king of Philistia's eyes. This same David found favor in the king's eyes. And so he said, you know what? Have this territory. So he gave him Ziklag. And listen, this verse, I'm telling you, verse 7. So he gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore, Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Reclamation. It was Philistine territory, Philistine land. But you had somebody that had anointing, somebody that had authority. Even though the situation didn't look right, he wasn't on the throne. He was in the throne. And so what, what did he do? He's like, I'm going to flee from these javelins. Because why? Because he was still honoring the old move, even though it was throwing javelins at him. That's our posture. And I'm still going to honor that, but I'm going to have to dodge the javelins of, of, of them not transitioning to the new era. And so I may have to go out and actually penetrate the world system for a minute. But that's the original assignment anyway. What if the Lord was allowing some javelins to out actually posture the church to get back out into the marketplace? What if he's like, I gave you the commission to go ye into all the world and make disciples of all nations. But you're still sitting there. Maybe I'll allow some sauce to start throwing some javelins to get you into take territory. So he took, he went in there, got Ziklag, and Ziklag to this day was given to who? The kings of Judah. That's called reclamation. What territories has he called you to go and reclaim? Stand to your feet with me. Hallelujah.
before you can go and reclaim territories, the Lord wants to reclaim some of you. So if you don't know him, he's drawing, he's sending out his word. He said, no, I I paid for this one. He was made in my likeness, in my image. But life came, sin came and tried to mar that image. It tried to put growth and weeds and all these things over him so they couldn't recognize himself. And because he didn't know his identity, he doesn't do the right things. And so the Lord today has sent a reclamation word to bring you back into his kingdom. Reclaim you back. Raise up the age-old foundations of him and bring you back. If you feel that tug in your heart, that's him pulling and reclaiming you back. And if you feel that, don't, don't wait any longer. Just make your way to this altar. Amen. Come on. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. See, we've not been doing altar teams here lately. And you're like, why is that? Because the Lord's wanting to teach people how to build an altar. Amen. Come on. Come on. They're building an altar right now. And the Lord's seeing their sacrifice. He's seeing the sacrifice of his son in their life. And he's going to send fire up on them. They're having their moment with him right now. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father. You're reclaiming what was yours. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, yeah, don't wait. Just keep coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This next call, I want you to just... Reclamation. He's wanting to reclaim. He wants to use you to reclaim territory. Whether it's business, marketplace, economy, whatever it is. If you know and you want to co-labor with that reclamation project, if you want to co-labor with what he's doing, I want you to just come around this altar, around these guys that are that, that are that are coming back to him. Just come around here, and we're going to worship. We're going to worship for a moment. And the, as an act of your worship, you, you're saying, yes, Lord, I'll reclaim that territory. Yes, Lord, I'll co-labor with you. Your worship is your yes right now. As you honor him, you're saying, yes, Lord. I pick up your heart for righteousness and justice. And I understand that you've put me into this timeline and this time frame for such a time as this to go out and minister righteousness and justice. What does that look like? That looks like saying yes to the responsibility. That may mean having to restructure certain things. Reorganizing certain things. Just because it was permitted in the last season doesn't mean it's permitted in this one. It was good in the past season, but not permitted in this new era. You see, Samson used that jawbone only once to slay Philistines. He had a different tactic and strategy for the next season of warfare. I just want you to have your time with him the next few moments just have your time with him and ask him say Lord how can I partner in your own way ask him how can I partner with with the reclamation I say yes to it I will take the land I will step into my position I will go through the gate (laughs) he said go go through go through the gate I will go through the gate. I will go through this process. I will step through. I will be, I will be what you've called me to be. I will go where you've called me to go. I will reclaim back that which was lost. 
So, Father, I thank you for everyone that's coming down here right now, everyone that's listening right now, everyone that's watching right now, Father, that have said yes to this. I thank you that you're giving them strategies. I thank you that the vaults of heaven are already open and you, you've already foreseen. You declare the end from the beginning. And I thank you that the old prophecies are for now. I thank you that the old words are strategies for now. I thank you that the old prophecies that you've stored up where, where moth and rust don't die away, Father, and, and, and hinder things. I thank you, Father, that, that right now those old words are just as fresh when you first release them. And that same grace is being released upon them right now for them to step in and go through the gate, Father, to build up build up, to remove the stones, to remove the the things that they would stumble on, Father. I thank you that they're preparing the way. I thank you that there's a forerunner and a pioneer anointing for this new era on everyone here, that they're pioneering in this region, Lord. They're taking, that's what pioneers do. They take new territory. They take the new frontiers. And I thank you, Father, that these pioneers are taking new frontiers in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Just worship him for a few, few moments. Just worship him. Honor him. Hallelujah. All right, welcome back. Um, thanks for tuning into this podcast, guys. Uh, this is part one. This is the. This has been the full full message, and uh, we've actually got a part two of recompense and reclamation that'll be uh, released next week. We look at some more of the things and the territories uh, for us to go into and and reclaim. We look at the things that have once been that have gotten covered up by. All the different cares of life by the, by the enemy and all those things. And we go in as the reclamation agents, if you will, to, to reclaim that which was lost. So we'll go into recompense and reclamation part two next week. Um, be sure to connect with us on all our social media platforms. We joined a new one. Um, it's, it, I think it's called parlay. Uh, it's parlor, but it's, it's French terms mean, meaning to talk or to, uh, speak. And it's so it can be said as uh, translated as parlay. So uh, we're on there as well. I'll put a link in the descriptions uh, so uh, you, can, you can find us there. But also, if you want to see this message, um, uh, be sure to go to the website. You'll be able to find the, the video of this message there. So anyway, thanks for, for listening. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more episodes and ways to partner with us, please go to remnantvoice.tv or email info at remnantvoice.tv. Please join us again soon for another exciting message from Pastor Jason Armstrong.